All right. Just getting settled in. Got your coffee. Listen, um, I just want to warn you right up front. Sometimes when you uh, take preaching lessons, they tell you to pick one verse and only one verse and just talk about that one verse. And today I picked like a bazillion. So if you're a note taker, I'll give you tons of um, references. Um, they'll be on the screen. I'll read them, all that stuff. Um, we're pretty informal, so you won't really freak me out if I say if I start talking and you're like, wait, wait, time out. What was that last reference? We'll try to make sure you get it. Notes are also online. They're always available online. Okay, now let me tell you, before we start, let me tell you what this is not going to be. Um, we're talking about, you know, we're doing a series called Born Again. We're talking about marks of a born-again life. Very quickly, if you're here for the first time, what I want you to think about is this. You were born in a specific location, right, physically, yes? Everybody has a hometown where they were born, right? Because of where you were born, your life looks a certain way. You talk a certain way, you dress a certain way, you eat certain foods. If you were born in a completely different environment, your life would look completely different. You would talk different. You would, I mean, this morning Parker left. He's going to New York. God help him, right? He's going to do great. He's going to the north, y'all. And some of y'all are here from the north. And, and that's cool, but, like, y'all talk different, Right? And he's going to talk different when he gets there. I mean, so I want you to think about, like, we, we talk about being born again from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. And then we somehow think that our lives can look exactly like they used to look. We're just born again. And I hope if you've heard nothing else from me for the last four weeks, please hear this. I say it unapologetically. If your life is not different now than it was before you met Jesus... You didn't meet Jesus. Because the Bible I read, everybody that meets Jesus is different when they walk away. Sometimes they're different still walking away going to hell, and sometimes they're walking away going to heaven, but they're different. You cannot meet Jesus and stay the same. It is impossible. And especially if you're born again, you are a new creation, the Bible says. And so we have new marks in our lives. We've talked about those as we've gone through this series. This morning, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Specifically, we're going to talk about a phrase called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you've been around Pentecostal churches, this is where you take a deep breath and go, Oh, God, what is going to happen today, right? And that's because you've met weird people. The Holy Spirit is not a weird person. The Holy Spirit is God. God is not a weird person. But he's also not like me and you. Is that fair to say? So to think that we would come here today and hear me teach one message and we would fully understand everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit is an unrealistic expectation. Because how long have you been serving Jesus? I'm just curious. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. I got saved in high school. So I've been serving Jesus for years, right? And I still don't know all there is to know about Jesus. Would you agree? I mean, about you, not me. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know nothing. So don't put that expectation on me, nor on yourself, nor even on God, right? This is also not going to answer all the questions that you might have about the Holy Spirit. I'm encouraging you to go to our website. This is not a shameless plug. This is an important plug. Go to thegatheringnow.com. Click the series image for Born Again. And the notes for today's message, there is a QR code at the bottom of that, those notes. Scan it with your phone. And it will take you right to a series that we taught six years ago, 2015, called The Helper. Um, on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I don't know if you know this, is called the helper. And y'all, how many of y'all need help? Yeah. I didn't even ask if the person next to you needs help, but we all know that's true. And that's, that's always like a seven or eight week series. It's a much more in-depth series. Some of the questions you might have about the Holy Spirit, like, is he going to grab me and shake me like a dog and throw me against the wall? I answer all those questions in that series. I'm not going to take the time today to do that. But the answer to that is no, by the way. Okay, so you'll have questions, and just go, go, man, their notes are there, the messages are there, they're good. Go check out that series, all right? Um, 
This morning is just to help you understand and answer this one question. Will the Holy Spirit make me weird? And here's how I'm going to answer that. If you were weird before you meet the Holy Spirit, you're probably going to be weird after you meet the Holy Spirit. If you weren't weird before, you're probably not going to be weird after. That's on you, not the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, um, I used to go to, I haven't been back to India in so long. Golly, I've got to get back to India. Our church um, supports a, a church plant they're not a church plant now. They're actually 10 years old. They're as old as we are. And when we started this church, we started supporting a church plant in India. They were planted in a, right in the heart of a Muslim village. Um, I remember one, like every time we'd go, we'd go visit. And always we'd go to that one at nighttime. And so you're walking up to the church, and it's just darkness everywhere. If you've ever been in a village, that a place that doesn't serve Jesus, you know that oppressive, like, holy cow, this is not, we're not at home anymore, Right. And we're walking up, and you just see in the middle of the darkness this light just kind of shining up, and it's that place. And it, it, you're just like, holy cow, what's going on in that room? And the room is probably maybe as big as one of these sections, you know, and it's got like 150 people in it. It's crazy. I love it. So hot. I sweat all the time. I sweat here too, but all the time there, right? Anyway, on one of my trips to India, one of my very first trips to India, we were hanging out with Koshi Baby. That's his name. He's been here. We've had him and his wife, Joycey, here. And he, was, um, he said, Pastor Paul, come with me. So I start walking with, with Koshi. And we're walking through the, the, like, it's hard to explain, but it's all dirt roads. And you're stepping over, like, water that smells like not water and other stuff. And I remember walking past, like, they were, like, skinning a goat. And it's just crazy, right? We're walking through these little tight sections, small, like not even as wide as the aisle. And he's taking me to a house. He said, we've got to go to this house. And so I'm just kind of following. Because, you know, when you're in another country, you just follow people that know where they're going. And pray that they know where they're going. Are you with me? And so I'm just kind of walking with him. And he's like saying stuff to me that makes no sense. Like, see those lines? Don't touch them. Uh, okay. Why not? Uh, because like a, a week before, a 13-year-old had reached up and touched the power line and died. Because it's so low. They're stealing power. It's like an exposed wire. And I was like, I'm walking like this, right? <laughs> I got you. We walk into this, I say house. I mean, it's hard to say that it's a house, but it's where they live. We walk into this, this, this living room, and there's somebody laying down, and they're sick. And as we're walking in, Koshi tells me that everybody has been to this house to pray for this person to be healed. That they have called, like, friends have prayed. They've called in the Hindu priest. They've called all, they're not Christians, mind you. None of them are Christians. They're just, they just want to get healed. And so they've, they've, they've tried everybody else. And now they've called for us, Pastor Paul, they've called for us to come and pray. And I'm like, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Pastor Koshi, let's just go do it. We walk in, walk up. I've got all this going through my mind. Don't touch the power cords. People, they don't have any power. They've been praying for this, this girl. She's not getting any better. But I'm with Koshi. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm with Koshi because Koshi has got power like you wouldn't believe. And we walk in. He turns to me and he says, you pray, Pastor Paul. And it was in that moment that I realized, again, the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, I don't know if I want to pray right now. <laughs> I'm not sure I have anything to give. Because there are certain situations where, listen, as a believer, what we learned in Sunday school, it's good that we can quote some verses, but we got to have what the Bible says is power on the inside. It's so important that there's an actual verse in the Bible that says in the last days, and I don't know where you're on the scale of last days, but I think we're like way over here. In the last days, there's going to be a people who have an appearance of godliness that do all the right things, y'all. They go to church. They went to church during the pandemic. They carry their Bibles. They can quote Scripture. They can do all the things. And the Bible says, but they have no power. So I want to talk to you this morning about power. I want to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So can we just 
answer um, four questions. Get, are you up for four questions? All right, here's, there's the first one right there. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. Here we go. It's the power that we need for the mission that we've been given. Here's your big idea. The Holy Spirit is the power of God to help the people of God accomplish the mission of God. That's why we've been given the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God to help the people of God accomplish the mission of God. Acts 1.8 says this. Jesus is talking. He says to his disciples, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm going to say some things as I'm preaching. I'm not trying to be um, sarcastic or snarky or anything like that. I'm just trying to get this point across. I want you to see what the Bible doesn't say. Jesus did not say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will have the best church services ever. Although I do believe you get a bunch of people in a room that have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think you can have some pretty fun church services. He didn't say you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will heal everybody you pray for. Although, I think that's possible too. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will understand Leviticus. I don't think he said that either. What did he say, church? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my, okay, I only heard a few of you. He said you'll be my witnesses. I say this to an American church, not y'all. I'm just talking generally. I'm just saying this prophetically to all the people from the American church that watched this video. He didn't tell you that you would receive his power and become his expert. He said you'd be my witnesses. You know, the vast majority of people in the church will die and never have led anyone to the Lord. Just leave that out there. Never had the word Jesus cross their lips except in a worship song to Jesus. He already knows who he is, but never off their lips to someone who doesn't know who he is. We don't evangelize. We don't witness. We don't talk to our neighbors. And if we do talk to anybody, we don't mention Jesus because that might hurt their feelings, offend them, whatever. He said we would receive power and we would be his witnesses, not his worshipers, not his experts in the Bible, not his doctrinally pure people. Those are all really important. But that's not why we're given the Holy Spirit. Y'all good? We're just on the first question. They were sent with the power to be his witnesses. This is very important. They had already, listen, the baptism is critical to the mission. He told them a few verses before, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is right before he goes back into heaven. He's already been resurrected. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. By the way, in case you're here and just the fact that I said Holy Spirit makes you queasy on the inside, it's because you've heard people teach you about the Holy Spirit who forgot that he's a gift. They made you feel like it was an obligation. You better. Like when's the last time you, you celebrated Christmas morning with parents who were like, you better open that up right now, faster. Like, no, they're just like, it's a gift for you, Right? It's a gift. The Holy Spirit's a gift. He says, wait for the gift that my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, and in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure you understand that when Jesus told them that, they had already been given the mission. We know it is the Great, co the great Commission, right? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. In case you forgot it, Jesus said this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. That's the mission, right? Did they already have the mission? Yes. He said, you've already got the mission. Is the mission important? 
Oh, gosh. I'm doing a bad job. Y'all are already scared to answer questions. Okay, and I can't spend all this time trying to get you caught up to elementary things, okay? So just pay attention closely. If people don't know Jesus and they die, where do they go? Okay, good. I feel like this side's with me. If they die with Jesus, where do they go? So if he told us to, our mission is to go and preach the gospel in all the world, is it important? So listen to this. How important is the Holy Spirit? Check this out. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important that Jesus said, I've got a mission for you. And you better take care of it because if you don't tell people about me, their eternity is lost. I need you to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. By the way, start with your neighbor. But as important as it is, I'm going to need you to wait. Can you imagine the disciples hearing this? Like, wait. It's like any of y'all play football in high school? You ever hear like a really good like pregame speech from your coach? Like get you fired up, like you're banging your head into the locker or other players without your helmets. Chest bumping, like, yeah, let's do it. He's like, but I'm going to need you to sit for a second. What? Like you're all ramped up and ready to go. And can you imagine the disciples like, let's do this thing. And he's just like, but no, uh, I need you to wait. What? Why? Because you have the plan, but you don't have the power. I need you to wait for the power. So he says, you go and you wait until you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power. There's nothing more necessary than the preaching of the gospel and the making of disciples. But we have to have power to accomplish it. And I'm telling you, friends, it can be our own power. God knew that trying to accomplish his mission in our power would be a disaster. And so he told him to wait. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, it is power. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Power. One more verse, and then we'll skip to the second question. I just want you to see in Acts chapter 10, verses 37 through 38, there's a testimony being given, some preaching is going on, and this is said in the sermon. He says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, verse 38, how God anointed who? Jesus with what? The Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Can I just mention this as just a hypothetical possibility? I'm thinking out loud. Y'all, if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit, are you kidding me? If Jesus needed this power, do you think we need it? I'm not going to go to heaven and be like, yeah, I didn't need that thing Jesus needed. I would say that the burnout in the American church is evidence that we might not have the power that we needed. I don't say that to condemn anybody who feels burned out, right? Because there's the verse we're using all summer long, what did Jesus say? If you're tired and weary, come to me. Like that weariness is real, y'all. But there's a power for it. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. A second question, don't we already have the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked that question. You might be wondering, if, like, how do we get saved if we don't have the Holy Spirit? So let me just clear that up right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Paul writes this, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I just want to make this very, very clear. When you chose to follow Jesus, when you said yes to accepting his work on the cross as your salvation more than your work here as your salvation, the Bible is clear that you received the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot say that Jesus is Lord if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you helping you say that Jesus is Lord. Right? Now, let me just clear some stuff up. We've all seen people say Jesus is Lord, and we'd be like, what? I know that person, right? Like, maybe you've watched music award shows where, like, artists get up and they're like, glory to God, Jesus is Lord. And you're like, uh, 
The only time you said God on your CD was not in that context, right? Like, what's going on? He's, it's not just the words. It's the motive of the heart to say, to bow your life to Jesus being Lord. You can't do that if you don't have the Holy Spirit. You with me? So if you have followed Jesus, bowed your knee to Jesus, said that he's Lord of your life, you have the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see here is that the baptism of the Spirit is a distinct work, not for the purpose of cleansing us from sin, but for the purpose of empowering us for service. You understand? So the Holy Spirit cleanses us from our sins at salvation, but there is a distinct moment where he wants to empower us to serve him. Just to make sure that we're on the same page. Those men earlier, remember that I heard the Great Commission for the first time? We read it, but they heard it, right? They heard Jesus say, all authority has been given to me, and I'm telling you to go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. The men who heard that, who were also told to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, y'all, they'd already been made new. John 15, 3, Jesus said this to them. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Not to mention that in John 20, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. These were men who were already walking with Jesus. In our terms, they were saved. That was the weirdest air quote. Whatever. They were already saved. And he said, but I need you to wait and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so you'll have power to be able to serve, to fulfill the mission. This isn't about salvation. This is about service. A couple more. Acts 8, 14 through 17. Are y'all good? Is this too much scripture? That was the right answer. Good job. <laughs> so this side, though, there, eh, we're going to integrate somehow. I don't know. Anyway. I believe in you. All right. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Let me just give you the quick context here. Um, the, the gospel had been preached to the Samaritans, okay? You know, y'all know the Samaritans. Those are the people that the Jews didn't like. I mean, they didn't like, they did not like them at all. So the gospel is preached to the Samaritans. And what we're getting ready to read is that the Samaritans received the gospel, received Christ, were, and, and when... When Philip went back and told the church in Jerusalem, hey, y'all aren't going to believe this, but I just preached the gospel to the Samaritans, and they received Jesus. So as the church is rejoicing over all that, this happens. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Y'all, I need y'all to go check out what's going on. When they arrived, they prayed for the new, what? Believers that they would receive, what? The Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received, what? The Holy Spirit. They were new believers. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power to be able to live out this life, was so important that instead of the church just going nuts over the fact that Samaritans heard and received the gospel, they were like, man, this is fantastic. Uh, Peter and John, we need you to go down there and make sure they've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have this just because we're saved. I'm going to say a statement. I think that I've given you enough context so that you won't misquote me on social media. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not necessarily have every believer. You understand? You said I'm not saved. That's not what I said. I said you're not, you don't have power. You don't have power to say no to sin. You don't have power to say yes to his mission for your life. You don't have power to say yes to who he, who he says you are. The Holy Spirit, every Christian has the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not have every Christian. So much so that my entire ministry, every time we teach this to teenagers, to help them understand what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I say this all the time, just think of it as being consumed by the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit 
You get the Holy Spirit at salvation, but when you say yes to the Holy Spirit's fire consuming you, he gets you. And church, I'm telling you, I'm calling you, I am unashamedly telling you, you need to be consumed with the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no other way to live this gospel, to live this Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does the baptism of the Holy Spirit do? It transforms us, it moves us, because it empowers us. If you listen to the, ser- the sermon series that I referenced earlier called The Helper, uh, the, you know, I'm all about analogies, y'all. I'm all about these mental pictures, right? And so the picture that we used was this, that Acts 1.8 says you'll receive the, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's actually the word that we get dynamite from. It's the dunamis power of God. And so what that means is, like, y'all ever played with dynamite? Yeah, y'all are smart, right? <laughs> Can you imagine, y'all? I mean, what would happen if I pulled out a stick of dynamite, I thought about this, and just lit it and then threw it right there next to Mike? Yeah, Kyle's throwing it back to me. If a a stick of dynamite were to fall right there and it was lit, I mean, either you're trying to put it out or you're running as far that way or out that way or whatever. Because when that thing goes off, is everything going to stay the same? No. No. Why would we even think that we could have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and stay the same? What does the baptism of the Holy Spirit do? It moves the church. It moves. If we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, we're just going to stay where we are. There's only two things that drove the church in Acts to fulfill the mission of God, persecution and power. I would like power (laughs) to move me if possible, right? And if it has to be persecution, guess what? The power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit enables me to get through that. Peter went from denying Jesus to preaching boldly about Jesus to the people who killed Jesus. Oh, gosh, that was so good, wasn't it? And only you were. Like, you don't have to be vocal, but did you hear what I just said? What does the baptism of the Holy Spirit do? Are you kidding me? Peter denied Jesus and then turned to a man who preached about Jesus to the men who killed Jesus. And the only thing that happened between denial and preaching was Acts chapter 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He didn't go to Bible school to become a better preacher. Don't you remember what they said in Acts? They said, like, uh, these are ordinary unschooled men. And all we know for sure is that they've been hanging out with Jesus. Well, we know something that they didn't know. They hung out with Jesus, and when Jesus went to heaven, guess what they got? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Power. Power. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I cannot tell you how thankful I am that you wore clothes today to church. I'm so thankful that my naked sleepwalking stage is over, right? I have more stories I could tell you than we have time for now of things that my mom saw, but whatever. We'll do that some other time, right? Y'all, it's good to be clothed. That was, you, that was the one time you should have said amen, right? Some of you are like, I don't know, I'm thinking about a news colony. No, I pray against it in the name of Jesus, right? It's good to be clothed, y'all. And Jesus said, like, again, before you go Do what I've sent you to do. Please stay until you've been clothed with power from on high. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. It's the difference between, can we show that picture, Knox? Can you throw it up there? I'm not a a landscaper by any chance. I mean, I I tell Wendy, I do the bare minimum at my house, right? And our, our, our yard, if it's the right season, if I mow it, it's just a cloud of dust and a bunch of mess and I, you know, I take my socks off and I have a dirt line. It's just awful. But if I had good grass, y'all, if I did have good grass, there's no way I'm mowing my, my yard with that. There's no way. Now, some of y'all are old school. I know. I hear you. Bunch of prideful snakes. <laughs> You're like, give me the old school. That's fine. You go right ahead. But if I could choose, I would have a zero turn. Is that what they're called? No turn, zero turn. No. What is it? Say, you're, you're a man's man. What is it? 
He's, he's talking in tongues right here. Pentecost has come right here. It's a what? It's a what? Zero turn, zero turn, 55 horsepower. <laughs> I have no idea. I think that would kill you, wouldn't it? That would kill you. <laughs> the point is, it's not that thing we just looked at, right? Can you imagine mowing the grass with that old mower? How many of you, be honest, have, you, have used one of those? Me too. I'm curious, don't raise your hand on this one. I've used one, but I never used it by choice, right? I used it because somebody told me to mow the grass, and that's all we had. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, and have you ever done it, and like, and nothing's like, the blades aren't even sharp, and like, there's, you just, they're, they're literally, you know, you know, back in the day, that's what parents did. They're like, we know it's not going to cut anything. We just want to get kids out of the house. Hey, kids, go mow the grass. With what? You know with what. Go do it. Y'all, the Christian trying to live out the mission of God is, is that without the power of the Holy Spirit. You, you wonder, now again, take this, please hear my heart. Because COVID was COVID's COVID, y'all. It hit the church hard. It, hurt, it hit everybody hard. So when I talk about, like, maybe not having power to serve, we're not talking about COVID, okay? We're not talking about, like, if you have the Holy Spirit, you should be able to serve relentlessly, nonstop, all the time. Y'all, that's hogwash. God gave us a Sabbath, y'all. You know that, right? You do know that, right? If you're watching online, I pray you know that. Because this is a true statement. The reason that many of us don't have power to actually carry out the mission of God is because we don't have power. We're trying to do it in our own strength. So we go to these seminars to teach us how to be the best greeters ever. We, we perfect the best recipes for hospitality. And by the way, we are so thankful that you do. We learn how to brew really good coffee. We, we figure out how to use lights all the stuff, as if somehow that's going to get it done. And then at some point, we're just tired. And it's because, guess what? Our strength has run out because our strength is supposed to run out. That's what's supposed to make us realize we need another kind of power. And the Holy Spirit is the difference between that and an actual lawnmower. All right, we're almost done. By the way, before we do the fourth question, can I just tell you this? Um, I read this as I was preparing, and it blew my mind. I've never thought about this before. But the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, gives us power to do the mission of God. We think it gives us power to do anything. Isn't that something? So check this out. Now, again, I'm all about, like, Enneagram numbers and that kind of thing. Some of y'all are praying for me right now. I said Enneagram numbers, and you're like, he's got the devil. But Myers-Briggs, I just, I love to know how I'm wired. I like to know how God made me. It says that he made me wonderfully. Come on, y'all. Some of y'all aren't sure if I am, but I am, because he said I am. I'm taking it by faith, y'all, for sure. I like to know how I'm wired. I like to know. We talk a lot about the brain, like we, the mind. We love to know how that works, right? But listen, like we, we can do all of that. Sometimes we want to learn more, the best practices, and do all the things, and we're still worn out. You know why? Because he didn't give you the power of the Holy Spirit so you could do more things. He, did, he gave it to you so you could do one thing. Advance the mission of God which is to preach the gospel, to make disciples wherever you are until the whole world knows. That's the mission that the Holy Spirit fuels. I was at a gas station coming back from, I was in Ashboro, and I, I, don't, I really don't know anything about cars except, like, I, I got a new car, new to us, and you push it to start it. That blows my mind, right? I'm like, 
I got out and starts beeping and everything. She's like, the key's in my pocket. The car's still running. It's just crazy stuff, right? So I pull into this gas station, and I'm, I'm an 80, I think it's 87. Is that right? I'm an 87 guy because that's the cheapest. Like, I'm think, if I'm messing my car up, somebody talk to me after church, right? But I pulled in. I pulled into the to this one place, and they had it had 87, 89, and then it just went up from there. It was really expensive, so I didn't care. But there was there was I saw the cheapest gas, and so I grabbed the nozzle for the cheapest gas. I put it in my car, and I and it fit because I do know that they made that for me, right? Like you have to have the right nozzle to get it into the gas tank, so it fit. I started it, and as it was pumping, I turned around and I noticed it said 88. And I was like. 88? I've never even seen 88. That's cheap. I love that. And 88 is some kind of a mix for, like, flex cars, which I don't own. You feeling my pain yet? <laughs> right? So I start reading the fine print, you know. Thankfully, it's okay. It's for flex cars and also cars made after 2001 or something like that. And I was like, check, I got that part, right? But it, it dawned on me, I could be putting the wrong fuel in the wrong car, and it'll mess the car up. Are you getting this yet? We take the power of God, which is really good fuel, and I think sometimes we try to fuel the wrong things with it. Thanks, God, for giving me power because now I can be famous. What? Now I can be wealthy. What? Oh, well, now I can live my best life now. What? He gave you power to die. He, he gave us his power so he could fuel his mission, not our mission. He actually gives us his power so that our mission will become his mission, that we will lay our lives down so that we can fulfill what he called us to do. And if you being famous makes Jesus more famous, then he may very well be fueling that dream. That's a good dream, right? Which brings us to our fourth question. What keeps us from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I've got to wrap this up. Boy, y'all are being so patient. I'm going to. Thank you. I wanted to mention something right up front. We are now, I think, three hours into this message. On the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I haven't said tongues yet. Because that's not the point. The point is, it starts with P, ends with our. What is it? Good job. Power. That's the point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus promised it, if Jesus needed it, if he told us to wait for it, then I think the obvious question is, why are we not receiving it? I, I, I feel like I could talk forever. I'm, I'm going to try not to. Before we ever planted this church, we had to go through this thing called an assessment. <laughs> yes, it's brutal. It's basically where they ask you a bunch of questions to make sure that you, your life won't explode if you plant a church. Or that you won't divorce your spouse if you plant a church. They just want to make sure that you'll still be okay after you plant it. It's not just to make you successful. It's just to make sure that you don't, like, just flame out. Five hours on Zoom, wasn't it? Five hours on Zoom. That was before COVID. That's one of Dante's hells, no doubt. Five hours on Zoom being assessed. And, and so at the end of the day, like, we were so sure that God told us to plant the church that we kind of had this feeling like, well, I don't care what they say, we're planting the church. And then the closer we got to the assessment, we started realizing, wait a second, like there are people who are going to take time to ask us questions, evaluate our life, evaluate our marriage, evaluate our gifts, and who have our best interest at heart. If they tell us not to plant, we should probably listen to that. You with me? When people who are smarter than you tell you something, you should listen. When Jesus says, I didn't do anything the Father sent me to do without the power of the Holy Spirit, I have a whole world that I need you to go preach to, but before you do that, I need you to wait to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we'd be smart to listen to that. Not 
in our American pride say, I can do that. Well, anybody can preach better than Paul. <laughs> I'll be the first to get out of the way. But you'll never preach if you don't have the power. I mean, think about this. How hard is it to ask your neighbor for a recipe? Well, I guess it depends on if you know your neighbor. But if you know your neighbor, at least first name basis, or at least like, hey, you. It's not that hard to walk up and go like, do you have a recipe for, or I'm out of, a cu- I'm out of sugar, can I get a cup of sugar? How hard is that? It's not actually hard to talk to people, is my point. But the minute we start talking to him about Jesus, doesn't it get really hard to open your mouth? you got to have power for that. And if Jesus says we need it, I think we need to receive it. Here's the one reason why we don't. It's the first word that Peter speaks in the first sermon that he preaches after he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's preached this entire message to the people that killed Jesus, telling them that they killed Jesus, explaining that we're not drunk, we've just received power. And here's what he says in verse 38, the first word of this verse. Peter replied, because they had just said, tell us what to do. How can we be saved? And he said, repent. Repent. And that, my friends, is the one reason why we don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we won't repent. Because we're not willing to lay down our power to receive his power. We're not willing to lay down our will to do his will. I can guarantee you this. Some of you right now are sitting here thinking, like, everything you've talked about, Paul, I think I want that. I think I want, I know that I need power. But I'm not going to let you lay hands and pray, pray for me until you answer my question about tongues. Repent. Well, I, I need to understand if those Trump prophecies were true. Repent. I need to know if every single person that asks for it gets it. Repent. Like, lay your will down. Like, when we got married, oh, my gosh, 30 years ago. 30 years ago. I can't believe she put up with me that long. When we got married, we knew everything about marriage the day we said yes. She did, right? And it's been proven time and time again. Y'all, I had no clue what I was getting into. But I went gladly, and I went fast. And I've never looked back. And all the questions I thought I had before we got married, they don't matter now. Repent. Stop thinking that God has to answer to you. Before he gives you what he wants to give you. He doesn't have to answer to you or to me. He just wants to give you power. We can't be baptized with the Holy Spirit if we're not willing to lay our lives down. Pride is a killer when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we need to understand. We need to control it. We need to be in charge. And none of that happens when a stick of dynamite goes off in the middle of the room. We don't control anything. Doesn't give us the freedom to be weird, right? But we don't control the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't ask us to control him. He asked us to be a vessel of him. But look what happens when we yield our way to his way. Ephesians 3.20. Man, I love this verse. Now to him, we're, we're, we're wrapping up, by the way. Y'all good? Give me another hour, we'll be done. This is so important. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Did you get that? That's our God, right? If I ask you, close your eyes and imagine bringing glory to God in the most crazy possible way. If you imagine it, it's not big enough. Because he could do more than we can ask or imagine. Are you with me? Does that not, this is not a trick question, does that not describe a limitless God? Not a trick question, y'all. 
Does that describe a limitless God? Check out the next part. He puts a limit on himself. He can do all that we more than we can ask or imagine according to his what? Power that is at work where? Within us. So when we say, I'll take all of you, God, except that stuff that makes people look weird. You just limited a limitless God. You did. Listen, I don't want to be that person, right? I don't want to stand before God someday and be like, I wanted to do so much more. And he was like, so did I. I wanted to do so much more through you. But you kept saying, "Mm, I don't know about that. He's like, I can do so much more according to the power in you. And so this morning, listen, I want to call you clearly to say yes to that promise. God, I want your power to work in me limitlessly. I want to open myself up to whatever you have for me. If it makes me look weird to other people, then ah, I hate that, but okay. On another trip to India, God asked me clearly, Paul, do you want reputation or impartation? And I said, I know what I'm supposed to say, but I think I want reputation. Man, y'all, I just want an impartation of the Spirit's power. That's all I want. And if people think we're nuts, they thought Jesus was nuts. And if they want to kill me, they killed him. And he'll resurrect me just like he resurrected himself, right? And guess how he got resurrected? Anybody know? The same power that resurrected Christ is giving life to your bodies. It's the same power of the Holy Spirit. So all of that leads us to our last question. It's not going to be on the screen, and it's just simply this, what now? And the obvious answer is you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here and you've received that, and if you're as leaky a vessel as I am, you probably need to be refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And how do we receive it? Get ready for this, y'all. It's really hard. Are you ready? You just ask. And sometimes, even if you don't ask, guess what a good father does? He just gives you gifts. My kids don't have to ask me for stuff at Christmas. We just put presents under the tree with their names on it. Can I get some closing music and then some, like, fire fall down music or something like that? be awesome. By the way, let me just set you at ease. We're going to pray for you. Y'all okay with that? We're going to worship while we do that. You know why? Well, yeah, because you got to manipulate my emotions. What is that about? That's crazy talk. Now, you manipulate your spouse's emotions when you play love songs, right? Don't come in here and tell me I'm doing something that you already do, right? We're not manipulating God. You don't have to manipulate God. I don't have to manipulate you. Because here's what Luke 11 says. Listen to this. Jesus is talking. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So here's how you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You go to a Pentecostal camp. You get a bunch of sweaty, smelly people to put hands on you and push you down with all their weight until your face is in the dirt like a humble person. And they start praying this weird thing you've never heard before. And you're preaching, you'll start sweating. And you'll be like, God, I don't know what's happening, but I don't, I don't like this at all. He's like, because nobody that I know has to get bullied into a good gift. So I'm not going to bully you into a good gift. Why would I do that? I'm just going to tell you this, that Jesus said if we ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he knows how to give us good gifts. Acts 2.39, Peter wrapped up his message with this. 
promises for you and your children. And for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Are you called by God? Are you serving the Lord? This gift is for you. And I want to invite you this morning to ask the Father and to receive from the Father. We're going to end doing that. I don't have to lay hands on you, but I will. I'm going to lay hands on these two, right? I've just asked Zach and Shannon just to to lead us in a little bit of worship. I know it's been, oh gosh, it's not even lunch yet. I know it's been a while. See, as as the young'uns would say, it's been a hot minute since I started preaching, right? But can we just give the Lord a little bit more time? Um, I'm just going to ask you, if you know you need power from the Holy Spirit, if you know you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, would you just come and just stand at the front? We're just going to pray for you. There's nothing to fear. He's a good father. And you're here for such a time as this. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. When Zach and Shannon start to worship, you just start to worship God, right? And there's going to be people that put their hands on you. Listen. I'll, I'll, again, find the notes from the other sermon series and let, let that teach you. But I'll just give you this really quick um, teaching on tongues. The Bible is super clear that the gift of tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit to the body. It's His gift. And the Bible says that nobody knows the heart of the Father like the heart of the man, right? Like the spirit, your, the Bible says the spirit, of, the spirit of God knows the heart of God. And so when somebody's praying in an unknown tongue, as weird as that might sound until you've been on a lot of mission trips and it gets not, gets not so weird, all that means is that they're praying, the heart, the heart of the Father is praying through them exactly what you need. So we say this at church a lot. Because I've been around weird Pentecostal people. Don't let that freak you out. If you don't have the gift of tongues, a gift of a prayer language, you know who I want praying for me when I have a need? Somebody with a gift of tongues. Because they're praying the heart of God for me, right? It's, it's a whole other level of praying when you don't know what to pray. So I'm just saying that to you all at the front so that if somebody starts praying for you and they're using a tongue, you won't freak out. I'm going to ask all of you, and we won't do this for long. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask you to, you to do what you can do. And that is fill this room with the sound of worship, right? As Zach leads us, would you just sing along with him? And would you fill this room with the sound of worship while we just take a few minutes and pray right now? Right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm.